0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Oakton Church, and I just wanted to start off by saying um, if there's any college graduates, did anyone graduate in December? I know one right up here, uh, Ms. Rose Compton. Is there anybody else? I know Hannah Francis did, and she is down in Kids Church today, but I just wanted to give you guys a big congratulations. I know Rose got like three degrees, so... <laughs> So great job. Now you guys can um, only read when you have to like I do, so that's nice. I appreciate it. Well, I didn't have the chance to get three degrees, if you know who I am. My name's Amy Garfield, so you might have caught that Pastor Larry is my grandpa, and my dad's over here, Kent. I don't really always like to claim him, but they're both preachers. So if you got a grandpa that's a preacher and a dad that's a preacher, it's a surefire sign, you don't need to go get those three degrees, waste all your money. Just go get, you know, educated, indoctrinated, you know, all those good things. So anyway, my name's Amy Garfield, and I am the youth and children's pastor here over at in church. And um, just a pleasure to be with you guys today. I've really been hanging out with your guys as kids for like the last few weeks. So kids church is a lot funner. So if you're in pre-K to fifth grade, you got to head on over there. It is a good time. Um, But I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for coming here from my family to yours this Christmas season. Uh, Merry Christmas, and we're so glad to have you guys join us. Um, If you're here in person or if you're uh, listening over podcasts, I always think it's like kind of weird that there's people probably listening to me while they're running a mile or driving through the car, or maybe even in a foreign country. So it's really cool how you can preach a message in one place, and it just completely transcends uh, where you are. So it's a lot of pressure, but it's good pressure. So um, I hope you guys are been tuning in here for the last three weeks, excuse me, uh, tuning in for the last three weeks, we've been doing a series called Our Coming Savior. And so what we've been doing is we've been going through characters throughout the Bible um, for the Christmas story. Week number one Uh, Pastor Landon had Elizabeth and Zachariah, and those were the parents of John the Baptist. So they kind of picked some interesting characters here. Um, Week two was Pastor Ken. He had Herod. Uh, So that was last week, of course. He gets the fun evil king. You know, I'm I'm a little jealous. And this week, as you may have guessed by the video, we have the shepherds. Um, I've heard the Christmas story all my life, so when I found out I got the shepherds, I was like, hey... Cool <laughs> shepherds, so I, I started thinking to myself. I was like, shepherds, sheep, you know, Jesus. You got him. He's he's you know the ultimate you know shepherd or whatever the expression is. And then so I was thinking of all these things, and I go through the Christmas season, and I'm just like, what do I talk about? And so I was reading uh, the passage of scripture that we actually read today, and I just couldn't get away from one simple thought. And so it's from a very popular portion of scripture. This is in Luke two. 8 through twelve, And I think today, uh, this can really just be a life-changing uh, verse, if you guys just really get a hold of this. And so I'm going to read that again, just so it's fresh in your mind. But it's Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. It says, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. I'm going to pause right there. If you know what the, good, the word good news means, it's actually the definition of gospel. So gospel means good news. So it's saying, I bring you gospel. And it's saying, don't be afraid, because this news is of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born a city, excuse me, born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so I read this passage, and I just couldn't escape this thought, because... um, the phrase here is fear not, and it, it just really struck, it really stuck with me, and, and I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, I wonder why the angels said fear not, and it's probably not because the angels were mad at them, or, or just saying, hey, don't feel this way, but, you know, in that instant, it seemed like they were filled with such fear, and the angel says, you know, I don't want to tell you how to feel, but I do want you to feel something more than fear, and so it says, it told them, fear not, and that fear was replaced with joy, And so that was actually our advent candle today. So that was really cool how that worked out. But this fear not expression here, it actually comes with a sense of deja vu for me. Um, It's one of the most uttered commands in the entire Bible. Fear not. It's one of the most popular expressions. But that's not why it came with a sense of deja vu, just in that of itself. But it's actually the expression that the angel uses over and over again. So if you look at the studies... um, The angel actually tells fear not to Zachariah. He tells this to Mary. He tells it to Joseph. You know, just about everyone in the story here is told not to fear. And so they're all experiencing this emotion of fear. And so I was trying to decide here, you know, how how is the shepherd's fear unique? You know, are there different types of fear? Are they just all scared of an angel? Surely that's not the case. You know, I'm sure I'd be a little, little scared. Guys are like, hey, i want to be scared of an angel. I'm not scared. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, they got probably some different emotions here. So I'm going to read the passages here. And I think let's start out with Mary. I think Mary had a fear of what God had called her to do. So this is in Luke 1, verse 30. It said, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. God has shown you his grace. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his name shall be Jesus. So I think that would probably scare me a little bit if that was something God called me to do. I'd be like, oh, that's probably not going to look right. I'm engaged. Um, I don't want to be pregnant. You know, what's going on here? That, that probably wouldn't look okay. And so she's probably filled with this fear. And the Bible actually uses this example of Zachariah and Elizabeth conceiving a child at such an old age. And Mary looks at them and says, you know, well, since they did it, God can do this for me too. And so that's the example of Mary. I want to go to Joseph next just because I feel like Elizabeth is kind of covered in that example. But Joseph was given the, the command to fear not as well. But I think Joseph's fear was a fear of what other people might have thought of him. So let's read this in and see what you think. Matthew 1.20 said, But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you, are shall, and you should name him Jesus. And so I think there's a couple different types of fear. And so the type of fear that I think the shepherds have, and if you want to write this down, this is kind of what I'm going off of my sermon today, is the fear the shepherds had is a fear of, where do I stand with God? Where do I stand with God? And now it's really interesting to me in this story is who the angel appeared to. If you don't know too much about shepherds, you know, they're kind of a lowly group of people. But I want to go back just a little bit because I think we do things a little bit different in the 21st century compared to like 1 BC, right? So even compared to me and Maranatha, the first service, I was talking about how when you have a baby, you normally do a gender reveal. And Maranatha was like, oh, they, they don't do that back in my day. They did snail mail, where you sent it across. A birth announcement where you sent it across the mail. And I was like, what is that? And so you can see how it changes so much over time. You guys are like, I still get my birth announcements. If I ain't getting a birth announcement, there ain't no babies. They don't exist. And so in my day, you know, what I'm used to is if I hear one of my friends are pregnant, they do a gender reveal. And what that is, is it shows if they're having a boy or girl. So they fight off with blue and pink lightsabers and, you know, whoever wins. Or, Or they got the holly powder, which is like from the colored runs. And you throw that at each other. Or my, my very favorite is like the oven-baked reveal where everybody gets to bite into a cupcake and it's like blue or pink in the middle. Anybody with me? No, I'm just, I'm the only one who's hungry here today. Like I said, they did things a little bit differently. So what they did was they had these people called... Heralds. Now, I did this first service, but the only thing I think of when I think of Herald is Harold Lawrence. Like that's all Harold meant to me. I, I had no meaning of this word. Like, what is that? I've heard the song Hark the Herald Angels Sing, but what does that mean? And so I started studying this, and a herald is a person who would go around, if you had any money at all, what you would do is you would hire this herald and he'd just go around town saying, Hey! Blah, 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 I was pregnant. Should I make a prophecy? Should I, should I name out some young people? We need, we need more babies for kids' church. So no, I won't, I won't do that. Everybody's pointing fingers. <laughs> Who's first? Who's first? But what they would do is they would go around and they'd be heralding this, you know, especially if you were about to have a baby boy, the first baby boy, that is, because that would mean that your family name's going to continue, your lineage is going to go on, and it's just a blessing from God. So they would use these heralds. Now, in Jesus' time, the herald comes by an angel. And so this angel shows up and delivers this message. So you get the song now, Hark the Herald Angel Sing. It's okay. A lot of people sing songs, and they have no idea what the lyrics are. They're just going full steam ahead. They got the the voice, but they don't know what they're singing about. It, It couldn't make a difference. But now you know. So... So these angels appeared to the shepherds, and the thing was, the angels weren't only the heralds, it was also the shepherds' job. So the shepherds hearing this could now present this to the whole world. So I want to ask you this. If God was about to send his son to earth, who do you think he would herald this to? Today I think maybe like the president, you know, like someone Influential, like if my son was gonna be born, you want all the celebrities to know. You want, you want like the main people that's gonna spread the word around. Just send it to like a really good magazine or like the Joplin Globe. I don't, I don't know what you're gonna do. And so at the very least though, you're gonna send it to someone back in this time with some sort of religious status. But the thing is, shepherds were social outcasts. They were the lowest on the ladder. They were on the fringe of society. So why did he herald this message to the shepherds? So, um, you know, today I think it's, it, it's probably not something we really think about. You know, we, we maybe look at our nativity and we know who does what, we're like, okay, the wise men brought the gifts, the donkeys in the manger, this person's over here, so, you know, wise men were obviously the heralds, like, yeah, we all knew that process of elimination, we're really smart, Um, but what we don't realize about the shepherds is that, you know, being a shepherd was one of the least respected jobs, least respected, like, this was a terrible job to get, in fact, the shepherds, were oftentimes slaves, and if need be, your youngest son. (laughs) I was cracking up because first service, Andrew was pointing at Johnny, and he was like, ha ha, you're the shepherd, you are the shepherd. They're they're over in uh, children's church now. And so this job was reserved for the lowest of the low, uh, you know, slaves, peasants, and if need be, like I said, your youngest boy. But being a shepherd... um, I know you probably think of David, and you probably think a shepherd is prestigious, but David was one shepherd who was a little bit different than the others. But being a shepherd, you had no education, which meant no means for advancement. And, and a lot of us like to think, well, they can get a better job. But really, if you were a shepherd, this was kind of like a lifetime thing. You're stuck in this. And, and really, it was so bad that shepherds were actually considered ceremonially unclean, which meant the religious standards of the day, had rejected them. There were people who said, you know what, you're just not good enough to come to God. So no wonder shepherds would have this fear. Where do I stand with God? You know, why, why is he saying this to me? I, I'm, not, I'm not able to even follow him. Why, why would he say it to me? And so if you're taking a couple notes today, I'm going to be talking about real quick why the shepherds may have felt distant from God, why they might have felt far from God. The first reason they felt far from God was they felt unworthy. They felt unworthy. And in reality, many of us, like the shepherds, feel unworthy in our own life. Everybody, yeah, no. you don't normally raise your hand if you feel unworthy, like, woo, I feel unworthy. It's me. Um, but like I said, excuse me, they were the social outcast. This was so bad because in Israel, they were literally taught, you are not good enough for God. There's no way it's going to happen. Their job prohibited it. They could not come to him like we were saying earlier. And I think When you think of a shepherd, excuse me, you probably think it's a cool job. You think they're out there a long time, like they're adventurous, like they grab their their backpack like I do and have awesome adventures where they hike through things and it's like the coolest thing ever, like Dora the Explorer, like backpack, (laughs) here we go, shepherds. But shepherds, because of their occupation, because they were nomads, because they were wanderers, they were considered this word that I said earlier, ceremonially unclean. Now, this idea of being ceremonially unclean, a lot of you are probably like looking at your neighbors like, am I ceremonially unclean? <laughs> like, you have no idea what that means. It's kind of a strange concept. But what this means is shepherds worked with... You guys are so smart. Shepherds worked with sheep. You guys still on top of things? <laughs> You're like, sheep! I get it! I finally understand. Um... So if they worked with sheep all the time, how do you think they smelled? Not, not good, right? We can all just agree on that. Like I was saying first, service, I was in the nativity Friday night, and Mr. Donkey, um, he just had to go to the bathroom every scene when I was standing. Like I was the one who was like, the farthest back to him. Had to go to the bathroom every single time. So I was imagining this as I had already wrote my sermon, and I was like, Now I understand why they're ceremonially unclean. Like, I get it. They're living in this day-to-day. They don't have showers. They don't have all the nice things that we have today. And so they were not just physically dirty, but they were actually considered spiritually dirty as well. And since they were ceremonially unclean, wow, I said that without stuttering all three times. I'm really proud of myself. Um, But since they were considered this, what that meant is if someone was ceremonially unclean, if you touched them, you would also be ceremonially unclean. So shepherds, if you want to give them a high five, guess what? You're ceremonially unclean. If you give them a high five, you can't fist bump them, you can't blow it up, you can't do any of those cool things. At most you can like air five a shepherd, maybe like blow blow a kiss. I don't know how to blow that to. Uh, just catch it. Um, and so if you if you did any of these two, any of these things to a shepherd, you would be considered unclean as well. And so no wonder they felt unworthy. And I think a lot of us, if we're being honest, we feel unworthy too. You know, a, a lot of us, we've, we know what we've done in our lives or what we should do, and, and we look at our lives and we think, I feel so unworthy. You know, I'm just, I'm not good enough to get with God, especially around Christmas time when you guys all look so amazing like you do today. You got your nicest clothes on. Lauren looked at me today and she goes... Man, Amy, you look good. I was <laughs> like, but she said today, and I was like, so I don't look good every other Sunday. Okay, Lauren. Okay, I get it. Um, so around Christmas time, though, everybody's got their nicer clothes on. They dress up just a little bit more, and so it's easy to look at people and say, man, they're their perfect family. Man, they've got it all together. Look at them. Look at their kid. They just look so put together. And and I think to myself, you know, when I look at my life, man, I almost killed my kids trying to get to church today. Like, I literally would have if I could have. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because my mom drove a minivan back in the day when me and Joshua were little. And I hear this doesn't exist anymore. But back in my day, they had these awful things called seatbelts. But the way they made them was that it, like, wrapped around, but you could step on it from the back. And you could just crunch it down, and then they would be like, you just like shoot back to your seat. And so what my brother would do when we were kids is he would just rattle me up really good. He would get me really pumped. He would get me really angry. And I'd go around to smack him in the face and he would stomp on my seatbelt. And it was just like like a force field just bringing me back, suffocating me to death. It was the worst thing ever. And some parents are like, man, that was me today. My seatbelt just locked up on my kids and I would have I whipped them if I would have had the chance. And you come into church and you're, you're like, man. I don't think I handled that right. And dads are thinking, I don't think I handled that right either. I, I didn't speak again, and I just let her do all the work, and I feel so unworthy. Um, but the shepherds felt like this. You know, it, it kind of resonates a lot with me, because, you know, in, in your own life, there's many times when we can feel spiritually unworthy. The second thing is they felt unqualified. Number two, they felt unqualified, So, like we were saying, they had a lower status than most people. Lower status than most people. Chances are, when you compare yourself to other people, you're always going to have a lower status. You're not always going to match up to other people. You're going to feel insignificant. You're going to feel like you just don't measure up, like, like you're lower than, like you're less than, and that's what happens when we compare ourselves to other people. For example, moms, I'm just on fire today, so I'll keep using you guys. But have you guys ever went to another person's home, and you walk in, and you're like, man, this looks beautiful. You walk in their house, and you can see the floors, and they're, they're shiny, and they're amazing, and that dinner table looks fantastic and their kids come down the stairs and they've got that perfect comb over haircut and they're just like mom we love you so much and then you look back at your own life you walk in your own door and it's like the pre-febreze commercials you know where they put all the stuff out and they try to like mask the odor like you got the rotten apples you just got stuff hanging everywhere and you haven't sprayed yet so it just doesn't smell good please do not enter and you're like I think I had nice floors but I really don't know where they are and you can't find your kitchen table and you look at your kid and you 're like, "How are you so ugly don 't amen don 't amen <laughs> you know? and, and you look at him and you 're like i don 't even know when you showered last like, I, I genuinely don 't know if you bathed i <sighs> 'm just setting myself up here and, and you think to yourself, man, I just feel I feel so unqualified I, I, I just i don 't feel like i 'm good enough I feel like i don 't measure up or, or maybe dad 's this season you feel unqualified." Maybe, you know, you're worried about the Christmas season. You dread the Christmas season because, you know, you got to buy your kids all this cool stuff. I don't know what's cool, but back in my day, it was Heely's. Like, that was the thing to get for Christmas. And, you know, you can't afford stuff like that. And, you know, you don't measure up. And you're just dreading the day when your kid has to go back to school. And all of his friends come up to him and they're like, man, what'd you get? And, and it's like an awkward situation. And so you feel so unworthy. You feel like you just don't measure up, like you're not good enough. And the shepherds felt like this. They felt emotionally unqualified, but they also felt spiritually unqualified. So they felt spiritually unqualified because they skipped the Sabbath. So the Sundays are a little bit different than they were today. You know, you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath back then. Um, Today we, we watch football, so I imagine it's a little bit different. But the shepherds could not rest. I know football is not resting because I hear my dad yelling the whole time. It does not sound relaxing or restful. Um, He did sound pretty excited when he was at the Chiefs game, though. I think I do have live footage of him having his face painted. He's got like all the Chiefs numbers on. I don't know a player. I'd say someone, but I haven't watched football in like 10 years. Um, But the Chiefs job, it was 24-7. So they missed the Sabbath. They missed the Sunday. They missed the day of rest. So they were unclean because sheep don't just take breaks on Sundays. They don't just chill. They're not just like not dumb on Sundays. Sheep tend to like walk off cliffs. They're just not really smart animals. They just don't not get eaten by, I did a double negative, (laughs) by wolves or bears on Sundays. It's like, you know, this is an ongoing job where they needed protection and care. So they constantly also felt like spiritual failures. And the reality is many of us also feel like spiritual failures. Many of us maybe come to church and and like I said earlier, maybe you pick out that perfect family and you're like, man, they just got it all together. Or you look at someone and, and they're worshiping real strong and you're like, man, I wish I worshiped like that. Or you hear somebody pray and it seems like they're more in tune with God, they're more connected, and you think, I wish wish I could pray like that. Or you go to Bible study and you hear some book called Obadiah and you're like, I didn't even know that was in there. Like I really, I, I didn't know that book existed. And so you just feel spiritually unqualified. You feel like you're lower than or less than some people. Number three, the third thing they may have felt was unloved third reason they may have felt far from God was they felt very unloved. So many shepherds by occupation were known as thieves. Even if they weren't a thief, it was just kind of with the occupation, so they were related to that. It says in studies that this was actually so bad that a shepherd could not present his case or testify for someone else in a court of law because their word was not trusted. That goes to say a lot about shepherds. This was so true to just everything in their lives. Um, when it comes to marriage, you know, no one would put their daughter with a lowly shepherd, so most of them didn't get married. This was kind of the end of the line. That's why you'd put your lowest son there, because your name could continue on with someone else. You know, They're not going to get married. This is their future. They were uneducated, unmarried, social outcasts, lowly shepherds. They had no hopes. There, there wasn't a better future to come. This was their life. They didn't really feel love, and, and yet so tragically, many of us don't feel loved as well. You know, whether it was your dad walking out on you and your mom when you were young, and, and now it was just you and your mom, and you don't, you don't understand what you did. And, you know, was, my, was I not good enough, or was it something about me? You know, why, why would this happen to me? Or maybe this Christmas season, this is your first time going through it without your spouse. Maybe they, they left you or they just said, you know, I don't love you anymore. You don't make me happy. And maybe this is your first time alone this Christmas season. And you wonder, you think to yourself, what did I do? You know, I, I gave it all I got. <laughs> this, was, this was everything I have. Is my love not good enough? And, and the worst case is some of us look in the mirror and we don't like what we see. We don't even love ourselves. And we think of all these things. If, if I don't love me, if other people don't love me, how could God love me? And this was how the shepherds felt. They didn't feel loved. And so this is why something called perception and reality has always fascinated me. Perception and reality. So this is why perception and reality has always fascinated me. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we can look at other people, maybe in this church or even in the rows, and, and we think, you know, they've got a better job than me. They've got, you know, more money than me. They just must be more successful. And and the thing about perception versus reality is we can look at them and we can think that's what's going on, but really inside their life they could be dealing with so much pain. They could be dealing with so much hurt, but on the outside it looks like they've really just got it all together. And so I would say to you guys today, you probably don't even know the pain of the people in your rows. You know, a lot of us come to church and we're like, man, if I really just said who I was, if I really just said these things I was struggling with, these things I was dealing with, people would not like me. You know, they would not like what I've got going on. They would not like the dirty parts of me the just the stuff I struggle with in my mind and and what I deal with. And you could look at yourself like that and you see other people in church and you see that person in the front row who's just worshiping strong. But in reality, you have no idea what's going on in their life and their struggles. And that's why it's always fascinated me is because there could be people on your row who, who if it wasn't just for this little thing in their life, they'd be ready to cash it all in right now. They'd be ready to just give up and just quit on life and just that's where they are. But sometimes we never know because we're just so fascinated with the reality. We never really are so fascinated by the perception. We never really get to know the reality of people. And that's kind of a, a harsh statement today, but I think it's so true. And so the shepherds, three things, they felt unworthy, unqualified, and unloved. And to make it simple, the bottom line, the reason why they felt like this is religion did not work for the shepherds. Religion did not work for the shepherds, and religion will not work for us. You might think, like, whoa, pastor just said religion is not okay in church. All right, exit, where are the exit signs? Where are they at? Um, but this is so true because God did not send his son Jesus to bring religion into the world. He, He sent Jesus to bring relationship into the world and to break the hold of religion, to break hold of the law. And so this was such good news for the shepherds because religion comes down to a set of rules. You know, I... I did this, so I'm a good person. I didn't do this, so I'm not a good person. For example, I don't drink, I don't cuss, I don't do this, so I must be a good person, right? And so that's what religion thinks. You know, I, excuse me, I do this and I'm a better person than you. And Jesus, he looks at this, and I think it's in Matthew 23. I forgot to check it, but I'm almost 100% certain. He's talking to the Pharisees, and he looks at them, and he says, you know, you seem like you got it all figured out, but it really just makes me sick, and I'm paraphrasing here. But he's talking about how it seems like they've got everything together on the outside, and he says you're completely missing what is important, and that is the inside. And the inside is filthy. That is what religion is, and it's like you're missing the point. You see, religion did not work for those shepherds, and religion did not work for us, but relationship with God will. That's why Jesus sent his son. He sent a person. This is relationship. And so that's why this is good news. That's why this is gospel. The good news is that on this day, there will be a Savior who is Christ the Lord, but the shepherds looked at themselves in that video, and they said, what did this mean to me? You know, what What does this have to do with me? Why is that good news? And I'm going to finish up today, and I'm just going to work on one passage of Scripture as we close. It's in Romans, and this is really just one of the clearest parts of Scripture that really has to do with everything we're talking about here today. Now, this portion of Scripture is written by a guy named Paul. And if you don't know much about Paul, he used to be called Saul, and he murdered and persecuted Christians for a living. But the thing is, he meets Christ and he's radically transformed. And I believe one, he is one of the most historical representatives of Christ in all of history. He just is phenomenally transformed. And so we're going to read this passage of scripture. It's in Romans three twenty through 22. And I might go a little bit into 23 if we have time. It says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Verse 21, But now, apart from the law, righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law of the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So I'm going to break this down in three points as we close out today. Number one, what is the good news? It's saying you cannot earn God's acceptance by works of the law. So why was this good news to the shepherds? Let me tell you guys what. This was such good news to the shepherds. The shepherds actually had to follow 613 laws to be ceremonially clean. That's 611 from the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. They had to follow all of those laws to the extent that it was, and the first two of the Ten Commandments that were believed to be said by God himself. So 613 laws on a regular basis. It was not possible. Their job prohibited it, and it said, you know, this this religion isn't going to work out for you. And so As as, um, New Testament believers, I guess I can say, the thing we have is you might know the Ten Commandments, but Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to make it even simpler. Love God, love people. So we have no idea the extent of the 613 laws. So good news is that you don't have to do it. You you probably could have never done it anyway if you tried to. And so verse 20, I'm going to read that one more time again just so you guys can catch this. Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. So law does not save you, simply put. So why do we have the law? Why is the, imp- why is the law important? Why do we need that as believers? Let's just toss it out. You don't, you don't need to follow that, right? Um, so why do we have the law? Number two, purpose of the law is to show you your need for a savior. I'm going to read on verse 20. Therefore, No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Say that last part with me. Conscious, a little bit louder, conscious of our sin. So what does that mean? The law reveals our need for a savior. So in our culture today, the problem is our fundamental way of thinking is kind of messed up. Because if I, would, if I was to go around and just kind of ask each person individually in here, like, hey, do you think you're a good person? Um, a lot of people would probably think about it for a couple of seconds and say, hey, I know some really bad people. I'm not them, so I must be a good person. And a lot of people believe that they're a good person in society today. So that's the main problem, because if you don't realize you're messed up, you don't realize you need a savior. And so just to make this Christmas time... A little bit special, I'm going to wake everybody up in here today, got the Christmas lights going, I'm getting a little sleepy, I'm ready for the fire, you know, toast some marshmallows, I don't know what you do at Christmas time, not none of those things. <laughs> so, um, but I wanted to share with you guys, just since it's Christmas season, how bad you really are, just play along with it, okay, you guys Ready? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and if you feel like you do these things, I want you to raise your hand. Pretty simple, right? All right, so number one, you guys ready? Everyone awake? If you need to wake someone up, now is the time. (laughs) Number one, raise your hand if you've ever told a lie. Raise your hand. Now, look at the people with their hands still down. Catch them real quick. These are the MVPs, guys. You know, they're trying to say, hey, I've never told a lie. You know, just look at them and say, liar, liar, pants on fire. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) You're going to make people feel really bad in church. Don't do that. Number two, raise your hand if you've ever stolen something. Now, think about white elephant during the Christmas game. You have to steal presents, guys. (laughs) You have to. (laughs) <laughs> we were playing that at church, it was that, was it, was it Mary's, <laughs> right here. she was like, I, I'm not going to say I stole it. <laughs> um, last three, I don't want you guys to raise your hand for this one, because I don't want you to get in trouble, especially if you're married, um, so just kind of blink if this is you, or just, you know, whatever. Um, so, number three, don't raise your hand, if you've ever looked at someone lustfully. So the Bible says, if you've ever looked at someone lustfully, You've already committed the act in your heart. So just to make this simple here, if you tell a lie, you are a... You guys are catching on. If you've stolen something, you are a... And if you've looked at someone lustfully, you are a... Adulterer. So, welcome to Oakton Church. We've got a bunch of lying, thieving, adulterous people here. Uh, Merry Christmas. We're really glad you guys could join us. I'm really, really glad you could just experience this this Christmas season. Um, but why am I doing this? I'm just not being super obnoxious. By the way, I think I forgot to say that. I snatched that from Life Church. Um, but just to make sure you guys feel extra great about yourself this Christmas season um, is why I wanted. to no. know. Um, but like we were saying before, if you don't realize that there's sin in your life, you have no reason to have a savior. And so in this fundamental way of thinking that we have where we don't think we're flawed, because the thing is, when we look at ourselves, what did I say people do when they, when they try to think if they're a good person? They compare themselves to someone else. But the thing is, God isn't asking you to compare yourself to someone else. He's asking you to compare himself to his law, his standard of who he is. And the fact is, none of us will measure up to that. And so why do we need a Savior? What is the purpose of the law? To make us conscious of our sin and our need for a Savior. It's, it's this fundamental way of thinking. And so the scripture says, should we go continue on sinning? I mean, that's obviously not what I'm indicating here today. You know, you, you need to keep following it to the best of your abilities. But I think so many of us, we've just forgotten our need for a Savior. We've forgotten the purpose of that. We just think we're good enough. And so when you realize that you're a sinner, you won't find salvation in religion. You won't find that you're good enough in religion, but you'll find that in the relationship and the person of Jesus. And so what is the good news? That you're never going to be good enough for the law. The law is just not going to work. So what's the purpose of the law? To show us our need for a savior. So that's the first two. Number three, as we're finishing out here today, In verse 22, it says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. It's the only way. That's the only way you can come into contact with God is just by his son, Jesus. The law will not get you there. And so the angel appears to the shepherd, the people that religion has rejected, the outcast of society, and shows them the good news and they take it to all people. And so, how are we made right? By salvation alone. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, this is the good news, this is the amazing part of it, becoming sin, taking your place and where you would fall short. Now all you got to do is just get judged by righteousness. That's such a better life. Because you put your trust in him, you put your relationship, your faith in him. God no longer sees you as your sin, but he sees you as his son. That's the transforming message of the gospel, the righteousness of Christ. That's why religion did not work for the shepherds, and that's why religion will never work for us. See, religion is all about us. It's all about our efforts. Religion is all about us, all about what we can or, or can't do, and relationship is all about what God has already did in our place, or done in our place, excuse me. And so you don't have to work hard, or, or be good enough for God, or, or worthy enough, or qualified, or, or just feel like you're loved enough to have this relationship with God, but he's already done all of this on our behalf. It's an amazing thing, and so the shepherds felt just like we do. Sometimes we feel unworthy. Sometimes we feel unqualified. Sometimes we feel unloved. But I'm going to read this scripture one more time. But fear not, for today in a town of David, a Savior has been born to you, which is Christ the Lord. So no matter what you've done, how bad you think you are, how bad you really think you messed up this time, the good news is that on this day you have a Savior. You know, that's why the angel encouraged them, you know, don't fear. This is, this is something to be joyful about. And I'm going to close out here today with Romans three twenty-two through 23. So not by good works we're saved, but the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So he's the only one to get us there. For all who believe, there is no distinction for all who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So no matter who you are today, if you feel like you're the lowest of low, if you feel like you're a social outcaster, if you feel like you're just doing all right, the thing is you still need a savior to have a relationship and to get to heaven, and his name is Jesus. And so today, I'm going to have the pastors come up and pray, and I'm going to have my dad over here, and, and Landon, if you want to jump up here with Taylor, and I'll be um, somewhere up here, and, and Grandpa, if we get filled up, you can join us too. <laughs> uh, But today, you know, if you've never made that decision, I like to make it plain and simple for the youth because I think we tend to distract ourselves in in so many things. So if you think you died today and you don't know if you would go to heaven or hell, if, if you're even unsure about the fact, I would leave here today with the clarity of knowing I am going to heaven. I wouldn't live in a state of just questioning like every day, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I'm good enough. If you have that relationship with God in your heart, that's the thing that's going to matter here. That's the thing that's going to change in the end. And, and And today I'm I'm gonna go ahead and and pray and these pastors will be up here if you need to make that decision or even if you feel like you've just drifted away and and you just don't really know that you're on the right track. We'd love to pray with you guys today and we'd love to just talk with you and just kind of figure out where you are. Um, But I'm gonna go ahead and pray and and these altars will be open. If you have any needs, I kind of skipped over this the first service, but if if you just feel maybe unworthy today or unqualified or, or you don't feel loved and you're just missing these things in your life, I guarantee you if you come to these altars, You can find that in the person of Jesus. You know, He's going to show you who He created you to be. You know, it's an amazing thing. The Bible says that He created us all with a plan and a purpose. And that means you're you're qualified because of who He is. You know, you're worthy because of who He is. And He's going to show you that incredible love. But today, let's go ahead and pray. And, And while I'm praying, with every head bowed here today and every eyes closed, if you've never. Came into contact with Jesus or just you've never made that decision. Uh, to accept Him as Lord of your life, and just say, you know, you have full control, and you'd love to make that decision today. I would just invite you to raise up your hand, be nice, and be bold and and proud, because this is going to be something that will completely transform your life. Or even if you're unsure today, and you say, Pastor Amy, I just need to clarify that decision. I see hands up on the left and the right, just lots of hands throughout here today. And so don't be afraid. And I would just challenge you guys after I pray, just uh, feel free to come up here and pray with us. We're not gonna harass you or anything like that. I think people get scared to put feet to your faith, but I think when you do that, and when you step out of your seat, you're showing a sign that, hey, I'm really going to be committed to this. I'm really stepping out, and I'm moving forward, and that shows that you're, you're in progress of change. There's movement there, but let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for these hands that have been lifted, God, and I just pray for those who are in their seats and they're maybe just still contemplating this decision. God, I pray that today you would just show them who you are, God, and that you've just created them uh, with such potential, with such plans, and that you've got amazing things for their life. The best life possible, God. I pray that you would just begin to speak to them, uh, speak to their spirit, and just anything they're going through, whatever they're struggling with, whatever they're dealing with, God, I pray that they can just put that, that burden on your shoulders, God, and that you're not here to judge us. You're not here to reject us, and just like the son that had walked away, you know, you're here to welcome us back with open, open arms, And God, we thank you for who you are today, God. And I pray that today we would just be transformed and just just couldn't hold this message to ourselves, God. Even if we're a believer today, I pray that this would be something in the Christmas season as we come into contact with people, God. I, I pray that we couldn't help but share the good news of what you've done, God. I pray that you would just use us all as heralds of your name, God, to just go and testify of these amazing things you can do for your people. In your name we pray, amen.